We're very excited. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We pray you would be glorified in it, Father. Um, I just pray your Holy Spirit would teach us. Revive us, Father, in you. And we just pray revival in our land. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So our study was on beware of foolishness. And then Joe D. sends out a text of the Proverbs of the day. And so this was his for Proverbs 6. Do not be a co-signer for a stranger or a friend. Do not be lazy. Work for your keep. Beware of liars and those that plan evil. And do not be involved in promiscuity or adultery. Growing up wise takes much consideration. Be wise and consider God's ways ours. So foolishness is defined as lacking good sense or judgment. It's being unwise or unlearned. Just as wise does not necessarily mean smart or extremely gifted, foolish does not mean dumb or lacking talent. So you can be very smart and still act foolish. Um, In Kim Spihart's teaching from Proverbs 4, she shared, it is foolish to know something and not do it, and that any one of us can fall into foolishness. There's many paths that lead to evil, but only one path leads to God. And God used this Matthew 7, 13 in my life to really help me to see how important it is to make that decision, to get on that path to God. Um, And it's enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. The only way to be on the path that leads to God is through receiving salvation through Jesus. It's foolish to go through life without Jesus. And even though in our foolishness, he loves us so much. And if any of you have not received Christ as your Savior, we just invite you to do that. You can talk to me or your leaders. We would love to share with you. It's the most important decision that you ever make. In Proverbs 6, um, we looked at four different types of foolish behavior. First, the imposer. Then the lazy person, where we got the lesson from the ants. And then the wicked, evil person. And then a repeated warning about adultery. Um, And then we are going to look at Abigail, how God honored her faithfulness and wisdom in living with a husband who is being foolish. So if you would turn to Proverbs 6, and we'll start there in verses 1 through 5. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of a fowler. So words can be snares. Where it's trapped, something by one is entangled. 
And so we are warned to pray and think first before lending or co-signing because it can be a disservice. It can lead somebody into debt. Um, and it's not an unlawful to become surety in certain situations. God may call us to that. Um, one example is in um, Philemon, Paul became bound for Onesimus. But Proverbs 22.7 warns us, The borrower is a servant to the lender. So as one lending, we do not want to enable bad behavior. And my aunt um, was loaning money to her sister. And gradually, my aunt realized her sister was becoming dependent, wanting more money. And then her sister was making choices that were not very wise. And it really put my aunt and uncle in a really hard place. When Lewis and I were um, young, a neighbor sold us their travel trailer, and they insisted on lending us the money, complete with the contract. And as nice as that was, we just felt guilty if we wanted to make other purchases. When we needed to sell the trailer for a down payment, it felt like they had control over us. So the bottom line for me is that God's ways are good for us. And it's, God, it's wise to learn God's principles for money. Dave Ramsey's financial peace class is a good way to start and a good way to budget. Um, learn how to budget and how to have money for the emergencies so you do not have to be or have a cosigner. Proverbs 13.22 instructs us also that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so that way, after we're gone, it doesn't matter how they spend the money. It won't bother us. But it's also really important to teach kids about money. And we're going to touch base a little bit on that as we talk about the ants. So Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, the lazy person. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So we must labor even when we do not feel like it even when it's inconvenient, even when in summer when the weather is hot, those ants are still working. And the ants help one another. If one has a grain of corn too big for her to carry home for her neighbors, the others will come and assist her. The ant has no guides, overseers, rulers, but it does it herself following that instinct of nature. One commentary suggested, the more shame for us who have guides, parents, ministers, to keep us in check, to quicken us, direct us, and call us to account. So the greater helps we have for working out our salvation, the more inexcusable shall we be if we neglect it. And Chuck Smith even says, with a tiny brain, the ant knows enough to work and plan. When I taught preschool, I used the story of the ants 
to teach children the importance of working together and to save for a later day, just like the ants. And we would go outside and we would watch the trail of ants. It's a great visual of hard work. Um, I overheard Kim Halleck and I sharing and, um, from 2 Timothy 3.10. Um, and I just love how we can share with one another. We are so blessed. I'm so thankful how we have this group where we can learn from these ladies that have such good experience. And um, if you have questions in raising children, D-O-Ns. And just, we're just such rich. We're so blessed with that, with one another, um, helping one another that way. So Kim Halleck shared, I heard her say this, um, that if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And then this is, again, from 2 Thessalonians 3.10. So I adapted it with my grandkids. I asked my grandson to set the table one night, and he said he didn't feel like it. And so it was time for dinner, so I charged him. And he's like, you're charging me? And I go, yep, two bucks. And I explained, the Bible said, and the Bible is God's wisdom, what we need to live by. I always make sure I get that in there. God's wisdom, what we need to live by. And the Bible says, if you do not work, you don't eat. And then in Ecclesiastes 4, 5, foolish people refuse to work and almost starve. So for me, getting started is the hardest part of work or exercising. And so I just have to tell myself, just do five minutes, five minutes on the treadmill, you know, clean the kitchen for five minutes. Um, but if I neglect my work, not only will it not get done, but it just gets worse. There's more dishes and it becomes harder to exercise. So we can keep from wasting time by denying self not delaying, not putting off, and also giving ourselves a deadline. We deceive ourselves. The more a slothful temper is indulged, the more it prevails, a little more and a little more. And so consequences of severe slothfulness lead to poverty and want. So do it while we have the light and keep from throwing away opportunities that we have. Of course, you guys are all here, so it's a good sign that you're not lazy. Um, but also, one thing that really works is you can pray for things you want to get done, and God will make a way for us to accomplish it. And Gail Ann's shaking her head. You just, it works. Like I'll say, God, I really want to clean out that closet. And then all of a sudden, you'll just find a time, and God will say, This is the time. Or I really want to spend some time with you in prayer. And then God will show you, now is that time. So he works with us that way. It's pretty cool. So next is the wicked person in Proverbs 6, 12 through 19. A worthless person, a wicked man. He walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, 
a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So wicked is mischievous and dangerous. Wicked makes a trade of doing evil, especially with his tongue, his walk, and his works, his design with a forward mouth by lying and perverseness, direct opposition to God and man. He says and does everything very artfully and with design. A man of Bilaah, indeed of the devil, out to do harm. So we know sometimes evil can be disguised as good, and we just need to be aware. God's word is so relevant today. And I was reading an article in ARP, and the title is A Master Writer and Designer of Fraudulent Direct Mail Packages Shares His Secrets. His mailers for one client persuaded 400,000 victims to send in over $50 million from between 2012, 2012 and 2016. This man is named Thomas, and he's now in prison. And he perfected his craft by watching people in Las Vegas. He learned, like lotteries and casinos, they were not selling a legitimate chance of winning, but they were selling the chance to imagine a better life through bogus sweepstakes. And so he put in a lot of time to design these things. So it's just wickedness. Um, in this book, um, the book called Necessary Endings, which um, books can be helpful, but they're not the Bible. So it's important to always remember that. But Dr. Henry Cloud has a chapter called The Wise, the Foolish, and the Evil. And it's identifying what kind of people deserve your trust. So he recommends, if you're dealing with somebody that's foolish, that you just stop talking to them about the problem. If you had a conversation with them 63 times, he suggests the 64th time is nagging. And then he suggests that you deal with evil people with lawyers and guns, the lawyer for restraining orders, and the guns for law enforcement. That we need policemen, we need law enforcement, and we're very thankful for them. Um, Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 says, If you correct someone who makes fun of wisdom, you'll get insulted. But if you correct an evil person, you will get hurt. And Titus 3.10, As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. And we know the Bible tells us our hearts are wicked. Genesis 6, 5, very sad um, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And we know there are spiritual forces behind evil. Ephesians six twelve tells us, do not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Again, that's Ephesians 6.12. Um, and we just need to pray. We know God's word is that weapon that to fight against evil, to keep us from doing evil things. 
and that God will take care of evil. The battle belongs to him, and the Lord knows that their day is coming. But God also, according to 2 Peter 3, 9, desires that all come to repentance. And even Thomas, that is in prison now, that God desires him to come to repentance. Proverbs um, 6, 20 through 25. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a light and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. So this passage, Solomon, once again, is instructing his son and instructing us um, to get sound judgment by following our father's commands. Let them be in our heart, guide us, watch over us, Let them correct us to discipline in how we live. Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. We must look at the word as a light and as a law. Our understanding must subscribe to it. The word of God reveals truths. And these truths matter. I want to get a shirt that says truth matters. It's authority. It is a law which our wills have to submit to. Dr. Cloud says we can't adjust the truth so we don't have to adjust to it. So we can't adjust the truth so we don't have to adjust to it. And I often like to say it's more caught than taught when we're teaching children. But Dr. Kathy from Celebrate Kids states that these truths of God's word are taught and caught. And more caught happens and sometimes caught they're learning things that are not good if they're not being taught. So it's a daily discipline to be in the word. It's crucial um, because we are in this spiritual battle. Um, Claudia covered the verses in 24 through 25 in her previous lesson on adultery. Um, And if you were not here, you can listen to it online or there are CDs over there. It's so easy now to listen to it online. It's very good. It's important information for married and single women. But I'm going to just touch base a little bit on our friendship um, with men and It was just something I had to learn as a new Christian. And so this is just a little bit story that happened to me. I was attending college and I was just being really friendly, you know, to this guy that sat in front of me and just talking about the class and everything and didn't think much of it. And then one night he showed up at my work and he just desired more than just that friendly conversation. And it scared me so much because I was married to Lewis. And so without realizing it, I had led him on. And so I quit. I quit my job and I quit that class completely. You know, I just had to 
flee. It's just so easy to get into those situations. So I just have to guard ourselves that way. I also used to wear kind of skimpy clothes, short shorts and mini skirts, you know, and I just didn't think anything of it. That's just how I dressed. Um, And after I became a Christian, I was working with the junior high students, and one day we went to the swim park, and I was wearing a bikini. And there were other male leaders there. And one of the male leaders, he came up to me, hi, Cheryl, you know, and he was giving me this look, up and down, up and down with his eyes. And it just hit me that I was dressed in a way that could cause him to stumble. And I uh, recently learned Lewis's aunts, who were strong Christians, and got him going to church and everything. When I first became part of the family, they were praying for me because of how I dressed. And they're like, you were known as the short short. We were really concerned about you dating Lewis. So (laughs) it's something we have to learn. But I'm thankful how they handled it by praying for me and didn't make me feel bad. I just learned. And the Holy Spirit convicted me that I no longer want to dress that way. And unfortunately, I mean, it's still, my daughter put a picture up for our anniversary on Facebook, and it's me in those short shorts. So (laughs) I'm like, it's just, ah! So it's important to be wise how we dress. So now we'll talk about the story of Abigail. Um, She's a woman with beauty and brains, and her name means the cause of joy. The story is, her life is in 1 Samuel 25, but I'd like to read it to you from uh, described as it's described in the book, uh, Men and Women of the Bible. So if you just want to listen to Abigail and her story. Her religious witness and knowledge of Jewish history testify to an early training in a godly home. Her husband, Nabal, is described as harsh, rude, and brutal, was selfish in his doings. He was foolish, as his name means. Also a drunk, was stubborn and ill-tempered, a son of Bilal. 1 Samuel 25.3, she is described as a woman of good understanding and beauty continent, beautiful continence. She knew God, and although she lived in such an unhappy home, She remained a saint. True to the meaning of her name, she experienced that in God her father, there was a source of joy, enabling her to be independent of the adverse, trying circumstances of her miserable home life. David, running from Saul's hatred, lived in the strongholds of the hills with his loyal band of 600 followers. Having often helped Nabal's herdsmen out, being in need of food, David sent a kind request to Nabal for help. Well, in his mean fashion, Nabal Nabal bluntly refused to give David a crumb for his hungry men. And this angered David, who threatened to plunder Nabal's possessions and even kill him. Abigail, learning from the servants, of David's request and her husband's rude refusal, unknown to Nabal, quickly acted with thought and care. With discreet tact, Abigail averted David's anger, his just anger, 
over Nabal's insult to his messengers by placing at David's feet food for his hungry men. She asked for mercy because of her husband's foolishness. And she waits till the next morning and tells her husband um, what she did. She doesn't talk to him when he's drunk, which is a good lesson. Um, And then her husband ends up dying. And David ends up marrying her. So some lessons from Abigail. When we have wisdom to impart, faith to share, and help to offer, we must not hesitate to take any risk that may be involved. So be ready to share a timely word or intervention. Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And then heartache from marrying an unbeliever that unequal yokes does not promote true and abiding happiness. And then by the grace of God, women who live with a cruel husband and who believe in divine sufficiency, such living martyrs are among God's heroines, according to Matthew Henry. And it's important in those situations um, to seek godly counsel, to seek prayer, Second Chronicles 20.12, um, King Jehoshaphat had an enemy coming against him, an army. And I love what he says. He went to the Lord and he said, We have no power, Lord, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So when we're in those situations, your eyes need to be totally on the Lord. The sweetness of revenge is soon turned into bitterness. And so Abigail encouraged David to forgive. So it's important not to respond foolishly to someone who's being foolish. Um, And also we want to remember with respect and gratitude those who have been instrumental to keep us from sin. And then I'm going to end with these, um, I think there's eight of them, little possible suggestions. I may be acting foolish. And it's kind of like a pattern of behavior that we want to watch for. I may be acting foolish if I become defensive when given feedback, thinking this is not my fault or kind of minimizing it as not that bad. And um, a simple little illustration is I use uh, sponges to clean my chicken's water containers. And Lewis will say to me, Cheryl, can you please put the sponge away? I hate to have to get off the lawnmower and pick it up, you know, and move it. And I'm like, in my mind, thinking, how dare you say that when every time I vacuum, I have to pick up your boots. So (laughs) Psalms 141.5, be open to rebuke. Let righteous strike me. It shall be kindness. And let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Um, I may be acting foolish if I always see myself as a victim and find someone to rescue and agree with me. 
And so be very careful not to cause discord that way. Matthew 18, 35. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brothers um, his trespasses. We just need to forgive one another. It's a command. So there's no option with it. Number three, I may be acting foolish if I always have an emotional response and become angry um, when somebody gets on my case or if I, they disagree. Proverbs twenty-two sixteen: a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. And Proverbs twenty-nine eleven: a fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. So we just really want to make sure we're making our decisions on facts, not on our emotions. I may be acting foolish when I hang out, spend my time listening to foolish people. Proverbs 14, 7 says, stay away from fools, for you won't get knowledge there. And so that for me includes sometimes what I watch on TV, um, on the internet, you know, being lacking discernment of what we allow our mind to dwell on and watch. I may be acting foolish if I neglect reading the word, attending church and praying. Just those simple things in life that are going to be huge um, to keep us from being foolish. Job 5.3, I know that fools who turn from God may be successful for the moment, but then comes sudden disaster. Chuck Smith says people who don't get a steady diet of God's word will die of malnutrition. I may be foolish if I spend all my money and not save for the future. Proverbs 21.20, there is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. I may be be foolish if I spend more time at church than with my husband. And you can fill in the blank here. It's doing good, doing what's good, and not neglecting some things that may be the best. So I spend more time at whatever than doing this. So you can fill in the blank there. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. And then the last one, I may be foolish when I live in the flesh, not the spirit. When I'm striving this, in this life in the flesh. Uh, Paul Ask the Galatians in 3.3, Galatians 3.3, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you not being made perfect by the flesh? So let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. We pray that you would help us recognize that foolish behavior that is bound up in our hearts, Father. We pray that, Lord, we would grow deeper with you, deeper in our groups. We thank you for this opportunity we have, Lord, to be here. And just give us a greater understanding, Father, of your wisdom, of who you are, of the work you want to do in our lives, how much you love us. I thank you for this food and just the, all the people that made it. And just pray your blessing on the rest of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.